Hello once again and a huge welcome to the Feel Good Factor with Simmons and Simmons. Yes, I'm here and he's here. We're both here. We're together, although we're apart, thanks to the wonders of technology. Yeah, and the wonders of lockdown. Yes. How are you doing in lockdown? It's now seven weeks in or more. Yeah, fine. I'm getting by. I pop down the road to the co-op every now and again and the people in there are brilliant. Uh, but the people who are shopping aren't so brilliant. Some go <laughs> out the wrong way and it gets very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Well, I'm not doing too bad. I've been going out for exercise most days. So uh, going for a certain run that I do, which has been relatively enjoyable. What do you mean a certain run? What, you run in a certain way? <laughs> like the no, Ministry of Silly Wolf. I follow <laughs> the same route each time. Brilliant. Right, okay, let's get straight into it then. It's time for this episode's version of Who Dares Facts? So uh, you're up first with this, Dad. What's your interesting fact for this episode? This is an interesting fact to me because I had forgotten it actually, but I, I suddenly remembered being in a school play at Hillsgrove Junior School right. in Welling in Kent when I was about eight, I would think eight or nine. And I played a comedy character in this play. I, I suddenly remembered this, it came to me. And I had to come on stage in a top hat to uh, a mate of mine who was at school, Derek Norton, his name was. And he was holding a hobby horse. And he said to me, I, yeah, I can't remember the name of the character I have. He said, come here, hold my horse for me. And I had to say, will it bite? I'd say, no. So will it kick? I'd say, no. So will it try to run away? No. Well, hold it yourself then. Unbelievably, I remember that getting a laugh. <laughs> I was really pleased. I mean, it was an audience of parents, I think, in the school hall. Yeah. Uh, which, to me, then seemed massive. But if I went back there now, I expect it was quite a small place. But um, I did get laughs in this play, and that must have been instilled in me for many years later, hopefully getting laughs in a profession. I was going to say, for someone who ended up as a comedian, you started out as a singer with my uncle, with your brother, but obviously yeah. at a very young age, you enjoyed getting laughs. Yeah, so it must have worn its way through, I think, because when we were singers, we liked telling jokes between songs, and slowly we think the sound of laughter overtook the sound of applause for the songs, and we enjoyed making people laugh. Excellent. My interesting fact is from a completely different field, almost literally. Um, about 15 years ago, whilst being an out-of-work actor, I decided to do some extra work on TV. And if you have certain special skills, you can get to do different kind of jobs to just the sort of standing around in the background, walking around sort of jobs. And obviously I play piano. I did some jobs playing the piano, but I play football as well. And I did some jobs where we were booked to actually have to play football. And there was an advert that was being filmed for Iceland's national airline, the country of Iceland. And they'd got a load of Iceland national players to play against a load of extras. And we had to go <laughs> to QPR's training ground. And I remember, obviously, my football career was never particularly exciting. It was just uh, extremely amateur level. You had Osgood Slatter's syndrome, remember? The lump on your neck. 
yeah, we dealt with that in a previous episode. So, uh, yeah, I was never yeah. going to be a professional footballer, but there was so much excitement realising we were going to get to play for about half an hour against a load of professional players and international players who were Icelandic. And at the time, there was a well-known guy who played in the Premier League called Herman Horidesson. I think he played for Ipswich, Charlton, Portsmouth, Wimbledon, and he was a left-back. All at the same time he played for them. <laughs> no, no. But um, there's a thing that happens when you play football. Obviously, people are talking to each other on the pitch the whole time and shouting instructions. And it's sort of regarded as ungentlemanly conduct. If someone's sort of running up behind you and you don't know they're there, to worry you, they'll kind of shout at you like, or something like that, just to sort of scare you. <laughs> I remember thinking, I can't believe this bloke, Herman Horidesson, did that to me. He sort of came in to tackle me and went, just as he was about to tackle me. I was like, I'm not scared of you. We're filming. It's not a proper game. Who cares what the score is? Why are you taking it so seriously? Even though I say so myself, I think we only lost something like 3-1 for a team of amateurs who'd never played together against some of the Iceland national team. I consider that a moral victory. You sure that was the national team and it wasn't just a group of people who worked in ice? <laughs> Maybe I was seriously mistaken. <laughs> anyway, those are our facts for this time. Now let's Wonderful. move on to Name Drop Corner. I believe it's my turn to go first with the Name Drop okay. this time. And um, it does involve you, this story, so you'll be pleased about this. But obviously <laughs> a few years back you sorted out with Buckingham Palace to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Grand Order of Water Rats, of whom some members of the royal family are honorary members and companion members. And um, we got to have a celebratory evening at Buckingham Palace. And although we didn't know it in the build-up to it, we believed it was Prince Philip who was going to be there, the Queen herself um, graced us with her presence as well. And I remember you getting to take her around the room and introduce her to everybody. And it must have been an exciting moment for you, but getting to introduce her to me. And I remember what was incredibly impressive is when the royal family knew this was going to happen, you sent in some biographies of people that were going to be in the room so she'd know things about people who were there. And I can't believe the amount of information she remembered because there were what, over 150 people in the room, I believe. And she got down the line and met me, and I remember her saying, oh, you work with your father now, don't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, and he used to work with his brother, and you've taken over. I said, that's right, yeah. And she said, oh, you must be very clever. So um, I was rather excited not only to meet the Queen, but to have her refer to me as clever. So um, she must be right. No one can argue. No, I've written to her since and explained that she was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, but you can't do better at name dropping than the, the current head of state, I think. So. No, you can't really. And she was brilliant that night, actually. I have to say, she was really lovely, as was yeah. the Duke. Like, great. So, yeah, go on then, it's over to you. My name dropping story uh, is about my very favourite singer, who you know is an American lady called Brenda Lee, who has had many hits. I'm sorry, uh, here comes that feeling. Uh, jumping, jump the broomstick, and every Christmas they seem to re release her rocking around the Christmas tree. And I've known Brenda for some time, met her quite a few times now. She's a lovely lady, and we exchange Christmas cards every year. 
but uh, when she was working near where you live now in Brentwood, oh, yeah. the, the Brentwood, is it called the arena? Brentwood Centre. She was appearing there. And I took the man who was my manager at the time, the manager of the Simmons brothers, uh, Johnny Mads, along to, uh, to see the show. And afterwards, I'd arranged to meet Brenda in the foyer of the hotel she was staying at in Brentwood. But Johnny Mann said, well, we better do this in style. So he bought a bottle of champagne. And we were waiting in the fire and she came down. This was after the show. She'd been up and sort of got changed and everything, then came down. And hello, you know, nice to see you again. And, and I said to her, and Johnny was opening this bottle of champagne. And I said, this is my, my manager, uh, Johnny Mads. And he said, hello, Brenda. As I then said the next line, he opened the champagne. I said, this is the man who's handling my career. And as he opened the champagne, it all exploded up and went all over him, <laughs> all over his suit. It was just one of those moments and she just looked at me and she said, because I just said, this is the man who had his our career. She said, is that the wisest thing? <laughs> Excellent. It was just one of those stupid moments, but it was very funny. But she was, she was great. She's a, a lovely person and celebrated her 75th birthday. Uh, last no, uh, December the 11th. Amazing, so from the Queen to the Queen of Rock and Roll. Yes, what a great link. I wish <laughs> I'd so thought much. of it. Thank you, yes. I thought of that ages ago and was desperate to get it in. Right, <laughs> it's on to the ever important in any episode of The Feel Good Factor. Yes, it's time once again for the joke contest. Right, so um, I think it's uh, your turn to go first on the joke contest. Okay, well, this is a joke I actually wrote. It was a visual joke for the Brian Conley, one of the Brian Conley shows. So it's going to work well in an audio recording then? It will, because all it is <laughs> is a lady who rushes down to her husband and says, quick, go into the bathroom. There's a big hairy thing in the bath with eight legs. And when he goes up and has a look, Black Sabbath are standing in his bum. <laughs> yeah. But the idea was that when she when you opened the door on the telly, there was a pop group, a long-haired pop group standing in the bar with nice, guitars. Shame yeah. ZZ Top don't have enough members to have eight legs, because they were probably <laughs> the hairiest you could get, weren't they? Yeah. Well, Black Sabbath back in 1968 were very hairy. Right. I don't know how they're all faring now. Excellent. But there you go. That's my joke. Okay, well done. Mine is as simple as this, and again written by me just a few days ago. When I was at school, I used to write all my essays back to front in a mirror, but all my teachers said it didn't reflect my best work. Very good. See, no, no need for heavy metal references, just classic yeah. wordplay. By the way, I felt the way you said well done after my joke was a bit condescending. <laughs> it wasn't intended to be. It was genuinely right. supportive and impressive. <laughs> yeah, Did depends. they ever film that? Did they ever use I that? don't know. I can't remember whether it was used or not. I have got old videos of all the shows, but I've not, not checked that. You must have always liked writing visual sketches. I remember you doing some quick sketches for, wasn't it one of Brian Conley's early series with some other people called Five Alive, where he was kept going yeah. in the toilet and having things happen? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds bad. It was Alan and I wrote those, that series of uh, sketches. It was called The Gents Washroom, actually. Yeah. And there was, he went to one of those um, 
you know the things you pull down the the towel, the cloth towel in the machine. Yeah. And as he pulled it down, it said, "Help! I'm being held prisoner in a towel factory." <laughs> and another one, he pressed the air. You know the hot air dryer. Yeah. He pressed the button, but instead of hot air, a pair of hands came out with a paper towel and dried his hands. <laughs> I remember that. I remember thinking that was excellent. Yeah. I was proud of that one because that got bought by German television. Actually, they bought that sketch from us as well, and oh, wow. someone did it in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. My favourite one, very quickly, uh, that I wrote for Brian Connolly's uh, This Way Up, I think it was, was a set of stairs and a lift by the side of it. And on the stairs, it had seven, four, six, three, each stair was numbered like that. Yeah. And it just said, please use lift stairs out of order. <laughs> Which I was pleased with. Yeah, nice, nice work. <laughs> right, well, that just leaves us time in this episode for some general funny stories. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to go first with this this week. I have mentioned um, some of the jobs I did before we worked together as a double act. And um, one such thing I did occasionally was compare various shows all over the country. And I've done some impro shows, some charity shows. But um, one such event I got booked for was a tour with Barney the Dinosaur, the children's popular character. And on this tour... There was a, a kind of driver, there was me as the compare, there was a guy who played Barney the Dinosaur, and um, Barney the Dinosaur had two child dinosaurs on stage with him, who obviously couldn't be played by children in a costume, so there was a husband and wife dwarf couple called Phil and Amy Holden, who were brilliant, and they played these younger dinosaurs. And so we got driven around the country in a people carrier, I would always have to meet up in South London, um, meet up with the driver, and then he'd take us to various events. So bearing in mind there's this driver who was a bald guy and quite short. The guy who played Barney the Dinosaur was quite physically fit. So he was a very thin guy, very tall, because he had to be a certain height. There was me as the compare, and then there's a dwarf husband and wife, all in this vehicle. And we set off from South London to go to a gig in Bristol, and about five minutes down the road, we crossed over a mini roundabout and a car came across and had a minor shunt with our people carrier. And so the driver got out. It wasn't his fault at all. It was definitely the fault of the other person. This other person got out and they started sort of ranting at each other, <laughs> having an argument. And I probably can't say the exact words that were used against each other, but clearly it hadn't been the guy who was driving us his fault. And... He said to this other bloke at the end of him ranting, he said, look, it doesn't matter what you say, mate. I've got four witnesses in the car that saw exactly what happened. And the bloke leaned into our people carrier looking at me, this sort of tall, thin, muscly guy, and this husband and wife dwarf couple. Bear in mind the driver is a fairly small, balding guy. And he just said to him, yeah, well, you're all related anyway, so you're just going to help each other out, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> When we thought about it, we thought what a ridiculous statement that was. The chance of these totally random, strange, different looking people all being completely related and willing to help each other out. The bloke clearly didn't use his eyes. I remember you coming home and telling us that had happened. I've always yeah. thought that was a brilliant story and just unbelievable that it happened. Well, let's hope everyone listening agrees with you that it's a brilliant story. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, let us know. You can get in touch on our Facebook page and tell us what you thought of this episode. But yeah. before you do that, uh, don't forget, it's time for my dad's general funny story. Well, this only happened a few days ago, actually, and it was my brother, Alan, who uh, lives in Louth now with his wife, Julia. Uh, they've lived up there for three years now, I think. Uh, I hear more from him now than when he lived a hundred yards down the road, actually, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, but he phoned me to tell me this actually happened. He said he was in his study, which is upstairs in their house, and Julia shouted something up to him from downstairs. Yeah. And he said, pardon? And she shouted it again, and he still didn't understand what she said. So he went out onto the land and said, what did you say? And she shouted it a third time. And he, he said, I can't understand what you're saying. And she said, it's a two-minute silence. <laughs> she was just reminding him that it was 11 o'clock in the morning, I think, and everyone was supposed to be uh, observing two-minute silence. I just thought that was brilliant. By the time she shouted it three times, the two minutes silence was over. That is excellent. Just, you can imagine their neighbours going, I can't believe they're screaming at each other. They just need to shut <laughs> up for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, cool. Ah, brilliant. Well, sadly, that almost brings us to the end of this episode of The Feel Good Factor. But once again, please remember, once you have listened to this, it's just under 20 minutes or so, please cast your vote on our Facebook page on who you think has won the joke contest for this episode of our show because it really does matter it does affect our lives for the next few days knowing you've won the joke contest you sort of walk with an extra spring in your step you certainly do it certainly affects my life <laughs> but i would just like to say we do hope you find these sort of mildly entertaining and a few laughs and it just helps you get a bit further through the day Exactly. In these times of lockdown and uncertain times, you might have worries. We hope this brings a little bit of light relief to everybody, just for a few minutes, whenever you manage to tune in. The only thing is, some people may just worry about this. <laughs> well, we can only apologise for that. Yeah. But, uh, until next time, stay safe, everybody, and thanks very much for being here. Stay safe, stay calm, God bless. 